Okay, another half an hour, so we're going to have a real break for refreshments. So now let's let's continue. We'll begin this this now this continuation of the first idea with a very famous uh, saying of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidut. The Baal Shem Tov has to say that in his time there were very very great uh, sages. He says, "I can contradict anything." I can find, I can find, so this is a very amazing thing that the Baal Shem Tov should say such a thing. I can find the loophole in anything that you can say. And he was talking to the greatest rabbis of the, of the generation. What was he trying to say? What's the point? He trying to say that I'm smarter than everybody else. That's, that's obviously not, he wasn't trying to praising himself. What does it mean I can find a loophole in any svara, in any theory, any great rabbi presents? So he himself explained what he meant. He meant that every svara, every theory that's proposed and presented by any authority is a, it's a thought experiment, we'll call it, in a certain realm of reality, in a certain world. But in the middle, the middlemost point of that reality, there is a essential nothingness. And I'm in tune, there's only one great soul, which is the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation, who is in tune with that point of, that zero point. Not in string theory, there's a concept of zero brain, B-R-A-N-E. There's a zero point in the middle of every theory, and I'm in tune with that zero point. And what is that zero point good for? What is that point of nothing good for? in the middle of every theory. That point is connected to all other middle points in all other worlds. And from that point, a person can be drawn up. It's called through a vacuum cylinder tube, be drawn up to the world, to the level of consciousness above that. Now this is a very, very uh, deep and important realization for, for science in general. Every scientist, the greatest scientist, whether it's Einstein or whoever it happens to be, to the extent that he is honest, so he must have a question in his mind will science ever be able to reach the end? To encompass, to come across with come some theory, some equation or some something, 
which will totally encompass and represent correctly all of creation. So we know that there are many, many audacious scientists that think that we're on the verge, we're just ototo in Hebrew, just on the verge, just one moment we're going to get to the grand theory of everything, to M theory, whatever it happens to be, super string theory, and that's going to explain everything. And then, it's, then all the scientists are going to have to retire because we now know everything about the world. It's all in one, in one formula. We know the whole story of creation. It's very amazing that scientists that are very smart people, usually physicists, that Chazal say, "En chacham There's no wise man except for a person that learns from experience. If you don't learn from experience, you're not really wise. The experience of the last hundreds of years of science has been over and over again that one theory has consumed another theory. And there always has been a loophole. A lip is usually a very, very small loophole in the previous theory, because of that very small loophole, a totally new, more encompassing theory is developed that consumes that previous theory. And then, once more, the scientists then believe, well, my, my new theory has, has it made. But there's always just one little thing that he can't explain in his new theory. So sometimes he, he, he tries to just blur, blur it away, to look over. If that's not so significant, we'll figure it out some way. But what happens at the end of that one little thing that he can't explain in his theory, that foresees the downfall of his theory, and then some new theory comes about. So how dumb it is of the greatest scientists to believe that we're on the verge of some grand theory that's going to explain the whole world and leave no room for doubt, no loopholes. From this story of the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov said, whatever theory you're going to arrive at, I can find the loophole in your theory. Because I'm connected to the ayin. And by finding that loophole in your theory, that's the way, that's really a good thing. It's a way to, to achieve a, a higher theory. most likely by by divine providence that the scientists are so dumb. Because if they would, if they would not be dumb in this way, dumb to, to think that I'm on the verge of knowing everything, of knowing it all, would they not be so dumb in this respect, then they might just give up science. 
They might become uh, musicians or something else. <laughs> Which might be a good thing. <laughs> but because they have this initiative, this uh, vigor and momentum that were on the verge of knowing it all, so that that that's what keeps them going, that's what keeps them alive. But nonetheless, they still they're dumb. The Baal Shem Tov didn't want the great rabbis to stop, to stop creating theories of understanding the Talmud. He just told them that whatever understanding you're going to come to the deepest understanding that you will arrive at, I'll find the loophole. Now, that loophole in your understanding is called the stira, the contradiction. There's some little contradiction. That contradiction, the word for contradiction, he goes stira. But that, that very same word for contradiction, stira, is also the same boot is Hanistarot, the concealed dimension of the Torah, Hanistarot Hashem Arakeinu. There's also something that the Arizal and the Reb Chaim Vitar explains, that why, Reb Chaim Vitar asks in the name of the Arizal, why were things that, that, that were supposed to have been concealed, even for the greatest Mekubalim, the greatest Kabbalists, why did the Arizal reveal these things? Just making a long story short. So the simple answer is that no matter how much you're going to reveal, there's always going to be Nistarot. It'll just be at a higher level, that's all. But what the word Nistarot, which is the concealed dimension, that's the same word as contradiction. Meaning that something which is truly a Nistar, concealed, is something which, it, which itself is the loophole of a lower level, of a revealed level that every revealed level has its loophole, meaning also that in my life as well, again, we're trying to now apply all these ideas to our own lives. In, in my personal life, everything which is revealed, everything which I think, I have to know that there's, there's some loophole in my whole lifestyle, and my whole, under my whole consciousness. And it's very good if I tune into that loophole with the help and the aid and connect myself to the Baal Shem Tov that he knows where the loophole is. Because that is what can potentially draw me up to a totally higher level of consciousness. So that's what we wrote here on the board, that Hanistarot is the same word as Stiraz. Stiraz is a contradiction. Stiraz also actually means to tear something down. As we said, that little loophole, that will, that ultimately will be the destruction of the previous theory in order to arrive at a much, much deeper and higher theory than, than before. And that it said, that new theory will also have its nistarot to it. All right, now, we're going to fill in a few points that relate to what we said in, the, in our previous words. General relativity is based on the equivalence principle, which says that the experience of both, both 
special relativity and general relativity are based on experiential subjective concepts. The uncertainty principle was initially also thought to be subjective and dependent upon the observer. But then it became clear that no, it's really an objective thing. And because it's objective, that's why it's totally ununderstandable. As we said before, that the electron is just not a thing. It's what it, I don't know what it is. It's Homer Hiuli, which is the substance of the world of Briya. It's called Golden, that we'll talk about in the continuation of Mirza in any event, what verse can we bring as a as a asmachta, which also will teach us something about the the general relativity vis-à-vis -vis the world of Yitzira, as the once called the counterintuition in the world of Yitzira, the insight about the shine, the reflection of Atzilut in the world of Asiya. So the verse is the is that the beginning, the third verse of the Song of Songs. It's also something that we read now in these days of Nisan and Pesach, the Megillah, the scroll that we read on Pesach of the Song of Songs, the love song and poem between Hashem and between Am Yisrael. And there, the very beginning says, Moshcheni Draw me, I will run after you. So this three-word expression phrase from the very beginning of the Song of Songs is a beautiful encapsulation of the equivalence principle. Gravity is called Meshicha. Koach Meshicha. Gravity in, in Hebrew is Meshicha. Meshicha has to be drawn. It's attraction. As we're going to explain when gravity is the one force of nature that is purely attractive. Its charge is mass and it's all positive. That's why even though it's very, very little relative to the other forces, but since it's all positive, it has a tremendous, the greatest effect on the universe. In any event, the word for gravity is Mashiach. And the verse begins, draw me to you, which means make me gravitate to you. After you, we will run. What is this idiom saying? It's saying that, that gravity becomes or is experienced as acceleration. A tremendously succinct, beautiful expression of Einstein's insight with regard to the general theory of relativity that gravity is the experience of acceleration. The slight difference in Chidush, which Hasidus explains with regard to these three words, Moshcheni, Acharech, Anorutza, make me grab, draw me to you, means make me gravitate to you, we will run after you. So in Hasidus, the question is asked, why, the, why is the first word in the singular, Moshchini, draw me, and then it says we, then it becomes plural, we will run after you. 
So the explanation is that the, the force of gravity is on the divine soul alone. The running, the acceleration, is both the divine soul and the natural animal soul together. So that's an addition to I, that's Einstein didn't know that. <laughs> that there is definitely equivalence, an equivalent feeling of gravity and acceleration, but the experience of acceleration is is my nefesh elokit plus my nefesh abahamit, both simultaneously accelerating, running to Hashem. Whereas the initial gravitation is a function, is an arousal that Hashem arouses my divine soul. That's more he. The gravitation of God towards the Jewish soul is the gravitation of divinity to divinity. That my soul is a part of divinity. So it gravitates, the part gravitates to the whole. And the whole draws the part into it because as it says, the essence that you, this is a saying of the famous saying of the Balsamta, if you take a part of it, you're actually holding on to the whole of it. So that experience is an experience of, gravi- of spontaneous gravitation. But when I say, we will run after you, we means me. But it's me, we. Because there are two, two factors here. As definitely, acceleration is something that I feel that I'm doing. And when I'm doing it, I'm doing it with both sides of my psyche. That's the way this verse is explained. Nonetheless, we definitely see at the same time that gravitation and acceleration are equivalent. So that's a beautiful, again, something that we always try to do is to find a smart and We try to find models, we try to analyze gematrias, and we also most important is to find an asmata, some source in the Torah for a concept that, uh, that is either a concept of science or a concept of something, something else. And so that was Moshkhini Akharech Narutza. Now let's turn to what we wrote here. That, we're going, that was the general theory of relativity. Now we'll go back to the special theory of relativity. The special theory of relativity is our famous equation E equals mc squared. This we'll have to analyze much more in depth in the in the continuation of our, our classes tomorrow and the next day in session. Nonetheless, this what this equation does is it equates between energy and matter. Matter is mass. So we have a matter, chomer, maybe I should write the words in Hebrew also. But the lower sub is chomer, chomer is matter. Energy is koach. So Einstein's famous expression which 
derived from special relativity is that energy is just a different form of matter. But every little drop of matter has tremendous, tremendous energy to it, because the energy is the matter times the, the square of the speed of light, which is a very, very big number. These four concepts, what's, and what do we say? Because of this equation of E equals MC squared, so for some mysterious reason, space and time now become affected by events that take place and by motion that takes place. So now we actually have four different concepts. We have two pairs of concepts. One pair is called time and space. The other pair is called energy and matter. In Kabbalah, these two pairs correspond to Yudke Vavke, to the four letters of Hashem's name. <coughs> that relative to one another, time is wisdom. As it says, for instance, Who is wise? He who sees the future. Time, the insight and the intuition of time has to do with wisdom. Space is a bina concept, as the verse says explicitly in Mishlei. Eze mekom bina, what is the place of bina? As the verse in the Yorban Job equates between space and bina. Mekom bina meaning that space, the experience of space, is a mother experience. The experience of time is a more father experience. How can we say that in very, very simple terms, that if, if there's a child to be educated? Even in a home, we know that the mother, the woman of the, of the home is the balaposta. She takes care of the home. What, what is her sense? The sense of a woman is the, the proper place. Everything has a place. Well, everything belongs in the home. A sense, an intuition, and a sense of, of space and of place. There are all kinds of even uh, modern uh, psychological uh, uh, systems especially a tune for wisdom for women, which, uh, like in, for instance, in, the, in Israel there's a shita, which we don't hold from so much. Nonetheless, I'm just quoting it for, to make this point, to get this point across, which is called Mikirot. It's called a psychological uh, way to help women, called the drawer system, <laughs> to, to find the right drawer. <laughs> So there are thousands of women that take this, uh, this course in Israel. I don't know if it reached Los Angeles yet. <laughs> Called Shitata Megirot. <laughs> Which, uh, once more, I don't talk about this so much. <laughs> but, <laughs> nonetheless, we now said that, it, that there's something to the idea that a woman has a, is a space consciousness. Meaning that that in the education of the child, to give the child the proper concept of space and place, 
everything in its proper place, that should come from the mother, ideally. To have the child grow in consciousness, which is based upon Torah study, that's the responsibility of the father. Like to plan the future, the career of the child, a more time-oriented consciousness comes from the father, a more space-oriented consciousness comes from the mother. The two together, Zman and Makom, are called Trenle in the Lomit Minut. What did Einstein actually do? Einstein, in his special theory of relativity, he put together space and time as one unit, one entity, that space and time together are now one thing, space-time. That's called the Yichudi and the terminology of Kabbalah, the higher unification. And he put together energy and matter also as one equivalence, which is Valkei. Now, what actually came out of this, that space and time became one thing, that's Yudke, and energy and matter became one thing, which is Valfke. So now the true result is that space and time that before were, we'll call transcendent, did not take part in the events of matter and energy, because now, because of the fact that matter and energy are one and also space and time are one, space and time enter into the consciousness of the event and actually change with the event that takes place. How, how, what, how is this? What is the terminology for this in Kabbalah? The terminology is that space and time, which are Abraham, now become mochin for called brain power or life force which is drawn into the consciousness and is affected by what goes on within the realm of energy and matter. Once more, space and time change with events that take place within the Vavke. The Yudke descend into the Vavke and change with regard to events that take place within the realm of the lower unification here, which is the Vavke, the energy and the matter, which has now become one. Right, now we'll see a very beautiful thing about these four words, actually. Let's look at the, the four words in Hebrew. Zman, Makom, Koach, Chomer. Let's just analyze the middle letters of these four words. What are the, who can read the, just read the middle letters. What word does it spell? The letters which are in the middle, it spells, in the middle is man as a man, Time, space, in the middle of space is Kufav. Koach is just two letters, there's nothing in the middle. And Homer, there's one letter in the middle, Mem, which spells the word Makom. Meaning that the thread which connects all of these four things together is the mother principle, space.
base makom is not only the second general level of these four levels, but it's also the inner thread, something like what the Baal Shem Tov said, that there's an inner point of nothing inside, inside, uh, inside every something. And if you reach that inner point, then you can be drawn up from one level, from one space to a higher space to a higher space. There's something special about space, most of the time, even though time here is above space, but the word space, makom in Hebrew, is a term that our sages use for Hashem, for God. We say in Haggadah, another two weeks, so on the Lala Seder, we're going to say in the Haggadah, Baruch HaMakom, blessed be the, the, the this space. This, the word Zman has all type of Kabbalistic geometries to it that have to do with different names of God, but it's not a connotation of Hashem Himself. But the word Makom is a connotation of Hashem. You know, there's something about space that that is more divine in a certain sense than even than even time. More primordial. In Kabbalah, we're taught that time is more inner than space, but time enters space. Space is more primordial than is time. If there would be space without time, then it would be, it would be a continuous present. There wouldn't be any flow of time. Actually, vis-a-vis -vis our beam of light, there is no time. Is there space? Yes. There's a famous expression about light, that when a ray of light is emitted from the sun, so it takes eight minutes to reach the earth. Even after eight minutes, that's eight minutes on our watch. But if you're traveling together with the light on the beam of light itself, ha'or davuk bama'or, this is the expression in Kabbalah Hasidot, that indicate that this is actually pure relativity. It doesn't say that light, as was believed at once, travels with infinite velocity. It says that light never leaves the sun. But it does, but it did leave the sun. It left the sun eight minutes ago. Or if we have a star that's so, so, so many light years away, so it left the, that star so and so, and so many light years, so many so years ago. And now finally, after so many years, which we call light years, it reached the earth. But we say that that beam, that ray of light, is still, Davuk is still clinging to the source, to the sun from which it was emitted, from which it emerged. How can that be? That it's still, it's still ha'or davuk pamor is one of the greatest principles in Chassidot. Why so? Because there's no time. So even though now the, definitely the light has has spread into space, it's transversed space, but it's still clinging to the sun because if the light would experience time, then it would have left the sun. It's no longer 
together clinging to the sun. But since there's no experience of time, so the light is from here to here, but there's not, no time lapsed. If no time lapsed means that the light, from the point of view of the light, it's still clinging to the sun. Ha'or davuk pamor. So this, this klal gadol of chasidut, no matter what, the light is clinging to its source, that itself is the special theory of relativity. What does that mean? That means that there is space without time. Once more, space is in a certain way more essential, more primordial even than time is. When time enters space, time becomes the male presence within the female reality. Once more, space is female and time is male relative to it. But what is primordial is, is, is space. That's why space itself is a connotation of Ashen. And what happens once one a special relativity is both together become mochin, become part of the reality, the experience of, of the Zerampin and Nukta the Zerampin in the terminology of Kabbalah, which is about the, the energy and the matter. But this beautiful phenomenon of the words is that Makom is the inner the inner essence. Now let's go back to the, we'll con con conclude this, this part with our saying of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said that no matter what you'll say, I can find a loophole, which is the contradiction. No matter what theory you're going to come up with. That loop in the theory is, has to do with another very, very important uh, idea that comes out of the general theory of relativity of Einstein, which is called the existence of black holes, which is going to be a topic that we're going to also discuss at length in Mr. Shem in the continuation. Science, a black hole has never really, really been observed, because you can't observe it. It's black. Nonetheless, scientists do definitely believe, most all scientists believe that black holes exist. Not only do they believe that black holes exist, but most scientists nowadays believe that at the very middle of the Milky Way, which is our galaxy that we're living in, there's a gigantic black hole which is two and a half million times bigger than the sun. Most scientists agree, and they were never there, and they never saw it, and if they would be there, they would never be back to tell us. But most scientists believe that the very middle of our galaxy, the universe is full of galaxies, the very middle of our galaxy there is a black hole that is so big that it's two and a half million times bigger than the sun. And that's actually the middle of the, of the galaxy. More scientists go on to, to say, this is again string theory and all the modern cosmology, that a black hole actually creates a, uni a new universe. Uh, every black hole creates a new universe. Universe, a new universe. As black holes give rise or parents, a black hole is a parent of a new universe. Meaning that this is exactly 
This is exactly what the Baal Shem Tov said. Meaning that we're taking our physical, the black hole is a physical concept. A contradiction to a theory is a, is a, uh, to say that the theory has, a, has, a, has an internal, intrinsic contradiction to it, that's a, a philosophical, that's just an intellectual concept. Now, relating them one to the other. The physical idea of a black hole in the middle of, say, a galaxy, and that a black hole especially is like a, a, a potential nothing that creates a new something. And the concept that every theory has its black hole to it, that that black hole is, we're going to talk about wormholes, is a way into a new universe to lift to a new higher level of consciousness. So these two ideas totally go together. As we said before, let's go back now once more to the being. We said that scientists do not learn from, from experience, meaning that they're not wise. Because what they learn from experience, they would know that every theory that has arisen to date has always fallen to a new higher theory. So why don't they, why don't the scientists understand that? That this is a general, this is a principle of reality in math and it makes it even, it's more even pronounced that in mathematics, which is much more theoretic than science, this has been proven. This is called Golda's proof. That no set of axioms is consistent. There's always something, there's always a black hole in any axiomatic mathematical construction. So if Gordel already has proven that mathematics, any mathematical structure has to have its black hole to it, which is this paradoxical statement that cannot be proven by its own axioms. So why not apply the same idea to physics? Not only to learn from experience, what are we now saying at the end? Not only to learn from experience, that every theory is going to have a black hole, but maybe we can even prove it. Once more, there's two things. There's to learn from experience that you're always going to be wrong. <laughs> that's, that's one. Just learn from experience that you're always going to be wrong. The next thing is not just to learn from experience, but to actually prove it to prove it that you're always going to be wrong. So once more, the, so in mathematics, that has already been done. So why not extend that to, to physics and to the, to the physical, all the physical sciences? And, what, and, and if we want a model in physics itself, something to model that, so the model is our black hole. In string theory, a black hole and a photon a tiny little photon are equivalent. Something will also explain in the, in the continuation. Everything has its black hole. It's nothingness. It's little point of nothingness inside. And much more, that little point of nothingness is a passageway to a total new dimension. So we have our black hole analogy, and we have our story our vault of the Baal Shem Tov, no matter what theory you're going to come up with, the deepest theory, I'll find the loophole. And we have Godel's proof, Godel's proof in, in mathematics.
There's no self-consistent axiom set. That there's always going to be a loophole. No matter what axiom set you're going to present, there will always be a statement that your axioms cannot relate to and cannot prove within the set of axioms that you propose. And that's maybe the most important discovery in mathematics of this century, and definitely the most important, without question. So why not apply that to, to, to the physical sciences? Definitely should be. What it all comes down to at the end is that there's only one way out, which is Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The one way out is once more to take a ride on the beam of Hashem's light. And then we become the, the real movers amongst the stationary standards, standards. <laughs>